This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Welcome to the 80s, or rather, welcome down the rabbit hole. A show that looks at how one click on Wikipedia can lead you from one tune to another, to another. Well, I think you get what I mean. I was humming Kerosene by Big Black all day today and yesterday, probably inspired by the fact that there was nothing to do, because, well, coronavirus has cancelled everything, which is great in one way because I don't have to worry about having to drop the kids here and there and everything, but also is beginning to climb up the walls. But uh, got me thinking about the song, you know, what's it all about? So I decided to go on Wikipedia and check it out. And, well, I knew a little bit about Steve Albini, the main brains behind Big Black of Kerosene. And he's now with Shellac, and he's also a big deal in producing. But I wanted to see what kind of influenced that tune. And when I was reading through it, one name stuck with me, and that was Killing Joke, which was an English group who I was vaguely aware of, but, you know, long forgotten back in the 90s, at, you know, when I was interested, actually, in music. Uh, so I decided to click on Cl- Killing Joke and see what they were about. And I s- read that they were a key influence on industrial rock, which is kind of where um, Big Black and Shellac was. And that their early music was described by critics Thomas... Erwine and John Duggan as a quasi-metal dancing to a tune of doom and gloom and that gradually evolved over the years incorporating elements of gothic rock electronic music and synth pop though always emphasising Coleman's strident vocals Killing Joke have influenced many later bands and artists such as Metallica Nine Inch Nails Soundgarden and Nirvana and listening to the intro from tonight's show you probably guessed that there was a little bit of influence there but we'll talk about that later now big black in that band steve albini would imply that distinctive stripped down sound that was very similar to early killing joke albums and that was put to great effect on their album atomizer and i suppose realistically the standout tune from that is kerosene which just is just incredible from that open metallic riff i mean really check this out
Simply brilliant, and of course, folks, don't try that at home. Kerosene was released in 1986, 
and you know that opening metallic riff just sounds like a warped church bell just chiming away and banging away and Steve Albini and Santiago Durango and Dave Riley's just banging banging beats are just amazing and of course in their sleeve notes they thanked also their trusty Roland their drum machine which also gives it that pulse and that beat that song Kerosene has been covered by bands such as Curb Dog Pitch Shifter, Lamb of God, who called it Burn the Priest on their album Legion XX, and an absolutely incredible cover by St. Vincent in 2011. And really, check that out. Really, it's just brilliant. Now, Steve Albini would go on to work with groups like the Pixies, and of course, Nirvana. Um, in Pixies, it was the Surfer Rose album, which was much loved by Kurt Cobain. And Albini, after the success of uh, Nirvana's first album, they, cute Albini, wrote a four-page fax and sent it off to Nirvana, pitching his services for their next album. He more or less said that they should reject the corporate way of recording and cut something out in around six days. And he stated that if your record takes longer than a week to make, you're sorely and surely effing something up. And that raw and abrasive album in utero really reflects Albini's style, something that he picked up from Killing Joke. Now, I never really connected, maybe it was because I was younger, but I never really connected Killing Joke to Nirvana until last night when, of course, I went down this rabbit hole of checking one group off another. And I listened to that group play a song called The 80s, and it sounded really familiar. Check this out again played it at the intro but listen to this again what does it sound like hmm. that sounds really familiar what could it be oh who's that again yeah Let's hear that once more. It really sounds familiar. This is from 1985. And a bit slower. Much slower, but very similar. Almost as if he was learning how to play for the first time. Yeah, that's Come As You Are by Nirvana. Yeah, mad. Yeah, Kurt Cobain, as much as he loved the Pixies, he couldn't help but brilliantly swipe off the main guitar riff from that 1985 single, 80s, and he used it for the basis of his highly successful single, Come As You Are. Now, naturally, Kurt Cobain was very nervous about releasing that song because it was so similar to Killin' Joke's song. And let's just say Killin' Joke themselves were less than impressed. Let's hear that song by Nirvana. Yeah, let's check it out. It is good after all. It's good. It's bloody brilliant.
any animosity between Nirvana and Killing Joke, I suppose, died with Kurt Cobain. And indeed, nine years later, in 2003, Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl took a leave of absence from his own band, Foo Fighters, and he recorded drums for Killing Joke's second self-titled album. And indeed, uh, Foo Fighters had previously recorded a cover of another Kid and Joke song, Requiem, as a B-side to their 1997 single, Everlong. So the influences are clearly there, and the respect between the two groups were also clearly there. But it wasn't just in America that Kid and Joke had a huge influence. Across the pond in England as well, where they're from, um, Kid and Joke were huge, and obviously many groups out there were influenced by them bizarrely enough when i was going down this wikipedia rabbit hole i discovered that their bassett a bassist i should say not their bassett martin glover went to work with kate bush on her seminal hounds of love album helping to produce and play bass or bass i should say on the album the drum machine that is so key and influential on that album and the industrial sounds that are so favoured by Albini and Killing Joke are very much front and centre in her masterpiece and you can really hear that in a song like uh, Running Up a Hill so let's hear that one of course Hounds of Love as well is a classic this one is just brilliant. Check out those drums there.
It's mad to think that that was released in 1985. It just sounds so fresh today. Back over the pond in America, Killing Joke also left a huge impression on one Trent Reznor. They've been cited by Nine Inch Nails' leader, uh, who mentioned him in his interest in his early material. He said that their earlier work, which he studied closely, was what inspired him to put together his own album. His album, Pretty Hate Machine, was born out of him working nights as a handyman and an engineer at the Right Track Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, where he used his studio downtown to record and develop his own music, using the ethos of Albini, where you just get it done. He played most of the keyboards, drum machines, guitars and samplers himself. Ironically, later on, he would work with Kill and Joke, remixing some of their work. And this one here by them really sums up his um, brilliance, I suppose, and inspiration that Nine Inch Nails had from Kill and Joke. Check this out. You're going 
a hole that was released in 1989 and it's an incredible solo 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 everything album by Trent Reznor but the legacy of Killing Joke isn't just in post in punk industrialist music it began to become part of the growing dance scene particularly in England when Martin Glover left Killing Joke and he formed the band Brilliant that featured a Jimmy Cote who went on to become part of KLF and their A&R man was Bill Drummond who also was part of KLF and believe it or not that band Brilliant were produced by the one and only Stock Aiken and Waterman now you're probably wondering if you don't know who Stock Aiken and Waterman are you're lucky but for those of you who are here's an awful reminder of their type of music Absolutely shocking to compare one with the other. But Glover did say that one of the most important experiences was working with Peter Waterman, not because of the type of music they made, but because of what he learned and how they produced the records, the sampling, the direct deliberate references to other records, and the really quick working and turnaround of songs, which isn't that dissimilar to the likes of Steve Albini and his six-day making of a record, which he did within Utero. But it's mad uh, to think that Stock Aiken and Waterman could have such an influence and that Killing Joke would be associated with them and their huge influence on bands today. Now, what came out of that collaboration with people like Stock Aiken and Waterman or with uh, Glover was very significant. KLF and Dior being much of the music of the 90s at dance music, which was very commercial but and very successful, but was also very cutting edge and innovative. Pretty much put it simply, these old punks traded their guitars in for new technology that Stock Aiken and Waterman used, and they completely twisted it and warped it to create a whole new sound. Now, KLF began in 1987. Bill Drummond, alias King Boy D, and Jimmy Cote, alias Rockman Rock, they released hip hop inspired and sample heavy records such as The Justified Ancients of Moo Moo. Their name changed to KLF and after going through a few other names and to be honest, to be really honest, I'd be here all night if I was just to take you on the bonkers journey that is KLF. Uh, this is a group that once burned a million pounds and that really is a story for another night I think. But they, their music really began to break boundaries and open doors for other people to get on board with that type of scene and I think it really... Look, I, I could talk all night about them. Let's just play the music. And this is one of their brilliant but bonkers tunes. America, what time is love? Mad stuff. Justified ancients of Moomoo set sail in their longboats on a voyage to rediscover the lost continent. After many months on perilous, stormy seas, 
their search was fruitless. Just when all seemed lost, they discovered America. The music you are about to experience Mad stuff, as I said. Is a celebration of the 1,000th anniversary of their founding of this great nation. KLF, America, What Time Is Love? And that's only half the song. It goes on and on a bit more like that. It's absolutely brilliant, as I said, but, you know, they were just chaos. And I think one of my favourite tunes by them is Just By The Ancients of Moo Moo. And it's just brilliant. On an aside, as we f- go further down that rabbit hole, my brother Finian has a Lord of the Rings poster. Well, he had a Lord of the Rings poster in his wall that was incredible. It was a hand-drawn poster and featured all the major characters from Lord of the Rings. 
was brilliantly realised and no doubt I think it had an influence on the look of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the film. And this, believe it or not, was done by the ham of Jimmy Coty, yeah, of KLF Coty. Jimmy Coty's Lord of the Rings poster is probably one of the best known of all the ones that Athena sold and due to its popularity has been reprinted several times. It was drawn when he was 17 and he said, A guy from Athena actually flew in a helicopter to my house to get the poster and gave me £500 and a 12% royalty, which I thought was an absolute fortune in the 70s because I was on the dole. He also said apparently it was the mostly student nurses who bought it. I don't think so. It was probably a lot of nerds. Not like Finian. Anyway, out of KLF came the group or the band The Orb. And that was an electronic music group founded in 1988 by Alex Patterson and KLF member Jimmy Coty. Now, Alex Patterson, he began his music career in the early 80s as a roadie for Guess Who? Yeah, Killing Joke. And it was his childhood friend, Martin Glover, who played bass with Killing Joke, who got him the gig. The Orb began as an ambient and uh, dub music and their early performances were inspired by electronic artists of the 1970s and 80s, most notably Brian Eno and Kraftwerk. Because of their psychedelic sound, the Orb developed a cult following among clubbers. Now, Patterson and Cody parted ways after Patterson felt that the Orb was seen more or less as an offshoot of the KLF and not its own right as a group, and he went on to release the brimly trippy, fluffy little clouds, which be honest is a far cry from the early killing work or killing joke work I suppose it's brilliant as well like I've said about every tune tonight but it's just so different what were the skies like when you were young they went on forever when I w- we lived in Arizona and the skies always had little fluffy clouds and we moved down they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and fire. The clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's in me, because I used to look at them all the time. And I, you don't see that.
always had little fluffy clouds in them, and uh, they were long and clear, and there were lots of stars at night. And uh, when it would rain, it would all turn. It, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Um, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire, and the clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's it, me, because I used to look at still see it in the desert. Another stablemate of Orb and from that era, Left Field, while not directly being connected with um, Killing Joke, they would also draw on the punk and post-punk era to create their own hit, Open Up, um, from the album Leftism. Uh, John Lydon of the famous Sex Pistols, of course, and Pill was a huge influence on Killing Joke. His public image limited bands Pound and Noise and Grim Worldview inspired the sound of Killing Joke. And I suppose it's apt that an old school punk rocker, or punk, if you hate that term, should be on the one song to rage over beats of an era far removed, but evolved really, when you think of it, from the sound of Killing Joke. This is Left Field's Open Up. Oh, wow. 
John Lydon. John Lydon was a man to carry a grudge. While you think that that would be a powerful song about all that's wrong with Hollywood, really he was just given out because he couldn't get good roles in Hollywood. And that's why he was given out that tune, shouting and roaring that Hollywood should burn. Killing Joke, I suppose, uh, has had a huge influence on a lot of people. And I've listed a load of them there. And I could go down the rabbit hole further and click further into Wikipedia onto other links. You know, James Murphy of the dance punk band LCD Sound System. Uh, he cites um, Killing Joke as a massive influence. And indeed, their tune, Losing My Edge, samples the music of change from Killing Joke on it. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, Kevin Shields, says that he loved the um, the drive out of such, such simplicity by the music, but how powerfully sonic it was. And I could list more bands and more bands, but I've got to stop, otherwise I'll be here all night. Um, I mentioned Kill and Joke, I spoke about them, but I've actually not played any of their tunes in their entirety. In fact, I only played one briefly, and that was the 80s. So let's go back to that tune and end up the night here. I hope you've enjoyed my journey down the rabbit hole and all the various songs. And apologies if I keep repeating myself saying tune and I suppose and tripping over words. Ain't used to a microphone. Ain't used to talking to nobody. But hopefully you've enjoyed it. So to finish off, enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> 